Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. But the Toddcast tonight, we're going to talk about investment. Investment. I don't know if that's a word you use a lot, but I'm pretty sure it's a word most of us know. And I'm going to start with the kids, because I usually start with kids. I love kids, I love object lessons, and I love relating kids to adults, because there's a fine line, isn't there? It's not that much separation. So I want to ask the kids tonight, okay? I want you to, this is called a hypothetical situation, okay? It's, I'm going to tell you something that isn't necessarily true, but what if it was true, okay? What if it was true? Now, imagine if I took this bowl of candy, you guys can see this, full of candy, and I brought it to the kids and said, would you like a piece of candy? What would you say? <laughs> Even the adults would say what? Absolutely. Yes, you would say yes. Most, you guys can actually have a piece. That's not a tease. You can have a piece of candy if you want a piece of candy. But, but, but before you do, let's, in this hypothetical situation, let's say that you had $100. And I said, I will give you a piece of candy for $100. Would you do it? No. <laughs> you guys are too smart. You would not give me $100 for a piece of candy? I wouldn't. Would, would anybody? That's just wasting money. That's wasting money? <laughs> but it's really good candy. I bought really good candy. It's Starburst, okay? You go to Ramsey. I got a pretty confident no that they would not give $100. So are you telling me that there's nothing worth $100? You wouldn't pay $100 for anything in this world? Or is that also not true? Is there anything you would pay $100 for, kids? Think about it. Anything in the world... You could have anything in the world for $100. Is there anything you'd give $100 for? You're still saying no? Holding on to the 100 All right. Anyone? Haddon, what do you think? Wait. Anyone? Is there anything in the world you'd give $100 for? Okay, go ahead in the back. What would you give $100 for? A house. Now that is a smart kid. That is a smart kid. Okay. So you would give $100 for a house, but you would not give $100 for a piece of candy. Correct? which means there is something worth $100. Okay, now let's ask the grown-ups, and this could get even hairier. Adults, same question, but in this scenario, in this hypothetical situation, you have $100,000. That's a lot of money, isn't it? If I said, I will give you, let's see here, these dead flowers for $100,000. Sorry, did I break someone's heart? They're not dead, they're just, they're they dead. just need some, they're dead, okay. I was trying to be nice. They're, other, they're otherwise alive. Um, would anyone pay $100,000 for dead flowers? The obvious answer is no. So if I asked you the same question, does that mean there's nothing that you'd pay $100,000 for? Is the answer still yes? No, of course not. Now, think about it. Even the kids can answer this question. Is there anything in the world you would pay $100,000 for? Adam says yes. Really? $100,000? I may have to find one of those. A Dodge Challenger. Okay. How about this? For $100,000? Season tickets? You guys really like the Celtics. I don't know if I would pay $100,000 for season tickets to the Celtics. Although I do like, I do like basketball. But here's, in my, in my scenario here, would you pay $100,000 for a 10,000 square foot mansion in your ideal location? Yeah. Okay. You would. Taxes. taxes are included. Uh, well, okay, 
Okay, most, most of you are saying yes, so you understand, you understand where I'm going. There are things that we would pay a hefty sum of money for, and there are things that we wouldn't pay for any money for. That's what's called investment. Investment is when you take money that is valuable to you and you give it to something that is more valuable or has a better return on that value. Well, let me share a personal story now. I've shared a couple of illustrations. Let me show an illustration from my life. When I moved to Michigan in 2008, I got to know a young lady that you might know. Her name is Janine. Unfortunately, she's not here tonight, so maybe she'll listen to the recording. But when I met Janine, I decided to do a little investing in Janine because I, it took a lot of work to get to know Janine and eventually propose to Janine and marry Janine. And any of you who have been through that experience, you know what I'm talking about. I had to date Janine. I had to take her out. I had to work on my hygiene, okay? <laughs> That's hard work for a guy, a guy in his 20s. What's that? I, thank you, Roger. That's the word I'm going for. I had to woo her. Okay, and for a guy, that's not natural. I had to up my game in a lot of ways. Um, I also, when we got a little serious in our relationship, I, I started to get interested in marrying Janine, and so I had to do a couple really profound things. I had to talk to her dad. I remember going to Steve Thurmond in his office to ask him if I could marry his daughter. And as you know, I don't get nervous a lot. Public speaking does not make me nervous. But I was nervous that day. I went into Steve Thurman's office with my hand shaking because I was going to ask Steve Thurman if I could marry his daughter. And that, it took like three hours. Not of convincing. And it wasn't three hours of convincing. But it took three hours for me to get around to the question I wanted to ask. So we were talking for like small talk for three hours. And he knew something was up. But then I had to go, I had to go engagement ring shopping. I ended up spending a, a hefty sum of money for a guy who didn't have a lot of money in ministry for a ring because I wanted to give my soon-to-be fiancé, a, a beautiful engagement ring. And all the wedding planning, all the honeymoon planning that went into it, I, I probably worked harder for my relationship with Janine than I had worked up for anything in my life up to that point, maybe total. And my point is this, that yes, it took a lot of work to, to get Janine to the point where she said, yes, I will marry you. But now every single day of my life is blessed because of the work that I was able to put in there as, as a 20-something man. And it was a lot of work. But now looking back, it was a pure investment. Well, we're going to talk about investment tonight because we're going to talk about something that is pretty common in most churches, and that is church membership. But I'm going to use the word investing tonight because I believe it works. Okay? We're going to answer this question today. Why would you ever join Crossroads Church? And I know some of you have been here a long time, okay? A lot longer than me. But I'm going to ask a question, why would you join Crossroads Church? Because we are going to unveil an institute, a membership process. And this, the, question, the answer to that question is the same answer to the questions and the scenarios we brought up before. Investment. We're going to circle back. We're going to take a little bit of a journey here. And then we're going to circle back to the concept of investment. And hopefully we're going to arrive at this answer. Why would you join Crossroads Church? Here's the answer that I want us to all sort of jump on at the same time, because we're going forward together. We're going forward together. As some of you know, Crossroads Church has been through a couple bumps and bruises along the way in the past several months and years, and even recently we suffered a tremendous loss. But we have, I believe, a new opportunity and a new chapter upon us. As you know, I've only been here... I mean, this only, I say only, but it's, it's been almost six months 
since my family has been here. We arrived in late October. It is now almost late April. And so we are arriving upon our six-month anniversary of being here. And that has gone quickly. Has it not? I hope it has. If you're thinking, no, it's been about three years in my mind, then I'm wrong. But it's still brand new. It's still fresh to us. And we've had a lot of great things happen in this church recently. You know, there's a lot of energy. We have a brand new worship band. Thank you, worship band, for that. We have brand new signs. And I've been here six months. And so I've been putting this into a lot of prayer and thought and meditation about what it would be like to really, truly come together as a church to go forward. And I believe one of the best ways to get there is by a membership process. Now, I, you might have complex feelings about a membership process, and that's okay. You may have had good experiences. You may have had bad experiences. You might have, no, you might have had no experience with a membership process. But I'm guessing you've at least heard of that in the concept of a church. Uh, because 95% of the churches that I've been involved in have had membership processes. And so it's a very common thing for a church to have. But I don't want to just throw it upon you. I don't just want to unveil a membership process and say, I think it's a good idea, so we're going to do it. I want you to buy in. I want you to invest in Crossroads Church. And so we're going to talk, before we get to the reward, we're going to talk about the cost of a membership process. Because I do think there is a cost to being a member of any church, and even specifically Crossroads Church. And my dad would be very proud of me, because on your skinny sheet, I came up with what's called, now is it an acronym or an acrostic? Acronym. What's the difference? What's an acrostic? Okay, I put it on the spot. It's an acronym. We're going to go with the word acronym. I put an acronym on your sheet for the word cost. My dad would be very proud of me, because my dad was a genius at this kind of stuff. And it just kind of came to me. It wasn't something I, I really sought to do, but... I was thinking about the things that would be important for a church in order for a membership, and these kind of words popped out, and it ended up spelling the word cost. So, as you can tell, each word, each letter represents something. The C means commitment, the O means obedience, S means service, and T means togetherness. And if you're okay, I, I would love some volunteers to read some passages of Scripture. The first one I want to look at tonight is commitment. Commitment. Now, I, if you look up the word commitment in the dictionary, you are going to find two very polar opposite definitions. Sometimes do it. Look, it up, look up commitment in the dictionary. You're going to find two definitions that are polar opposite. The, one, the first one says privilege or something like that. It's, it's something to be a part of. It's something to, to join and, and really just you know, invest in. The second definition for commitment is, is something that restricts your freedom of action. Well, let's turn to Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to jump around a little bit with me tonight. Hebrews 10. I stand corrected. It is, Thank you. It is an acrostic. It's an acrostic. Okay. It says that an acronym is an abbreviation of a word that's been composed of the initial letters. Oh, okay. Like doctor. So it's an acrostic. Okay. All right, it's an acrostic. So scratch acronym from the record. It's an acrostic, <laughs> but you still know where we're going. Okay. Does someone want to read Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 out loud? This might not make the recording, so I apologize. And if not, I'll read it. Does anyone have their Bible open and want to read? Okay, thank you, Peggy. Nice and loud, please. Okay, that's actually enough, Peggy. That's okay. Um, did I say beyond that? 25 is where I wanted to end. That's my mistake. 
Um, we want to talk about commitment just for a second. Commitment, again, is one of those words that I believe even recently has been sort of redefined in our culture. Now, growing up, the word commitment, at least in my mind, would have been something important, something good to be a part of. Well, I think recently in our culture, we've, we've allowed the devil to change the definition of commitment to something that now restricts freedom of action. So based on the word commitment, how you see commitment, you might have a totally different definition than someone else in the room. Someone might look at commitment as a very good thing. Another person in the room might look at it as a very bad thing, depending on their definition and their perspective of commitment. But again, I think that's, that's something that the enemy would love us to change the definition of commitment because here's the concept. Commitment can either restrict your freedom of action and basically lock you into something, correct? And you can feel trapped. You can feel enslaved. You can feel like your, your freedom is restricted because you're locked on the inside. But is that really what commitment is? If you dive into the word commitment, at least according to the scripture, it's quite the contrary. Let's think of Noah's ark. All right, back in the days of Noah, when he told Noah, build this massive ark and build according to these specific instructions that I give you, this ark is going to save you and your family's life. Now, when the flood began and Noah and his family were on the inside of that ark, were they, was their freedom restricted? No. Well, in a sense it was. But what, what was the other option? Death. Destruction. On the outside. And what, I, what I'm basically trying to prove to you and what I believe Scripture in Hebrews has put forward is that commitment is a good thing. Commitment is something that the Lord has given us so that we can actually be safe from the dangers that are on the outside. Commitment, especially to a church, is supposed to be a gift from God. And I, for some reason, I don't think that it is anymore in our culture. Or at least it's going downhill. Most people look at commitment as if it's something I don't really want to be a part of. I will pick and choose the things that I want from a church. I'll take this, I'll take some of that, but I won't really give myself fully to a church just in case I get trapped. But I honestly think, guys, in all honesty, it's quite the contrary. The devil is trying to keep you trapped on the outside because all the good things all the gifts all the blessings all the safe things that god has given us are inside the church now i wish i could linger there but we can't we're going to go on to number two number two is obedience does someone want to open their bible and read first john two four to six out loud go ahead jamie rose please nice and loud Thank you, Jamie Rose. And you can tell right there that Jesus says, John says verbatim that we must obey. Now, who do we obey in the church? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. His name is all over the church and specifically Crossroads Church. And it's supposed to be because this is not mine. This is not yours. What we're doing here belongs to someone and it belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He actually spilled his blood so that we could have this thing. And anyone who gives himself to that, to such a level, deserves our commitment and even our obedience. And it's all over scripture that we're supposed to obey the Lord. Now, even obedience is not something we generally think of with pleasant thoughts. That's usually the time where the, the person can shut down. You start talking about all the things that we get from God, our ears chime in and we all like that. But as soon as you start talking about obedience, there's something that tells us that's not good. But again, in all honesty, if you start to think about the concept of obedience, the Lord is keeping you from danger. 
He's helping you invest in the right and good things. He's helping you understand that by giving yourself to this thing, you will be more blessed. It's similar to when I, if I tell a child, listen, I would pay $100 for a house. If someone offers you a house for $100, pay it, okay? Because to a child, that might be $100 worth of candy, okay? But if I can train their thinking to go, no, 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 if someone offers you a house for $100, that's a good deal. It's similar to what Jesus is trying to do with obedience. We understand that obedience is something that he has given us that is for our benefit. But we have, it's something we have to pay, in a sense, to be a part of a church. We have to commit to the church. We have to obey the Lord. How about service? Let's go to 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. Does someone have that one? 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11? Okay, go ahead, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Service is one of those things, you'll, you'll often hear service in a military concept. If someone has been in the military, they'll say, how long have you been in the service? Or I just got back from, from duty or from service, they might say. Service generally is still a good thing in our environment, in our culture. But when you think about the concept of service in the church, it's taking what God has given you and using it to bless other people. Sometimes when we get a gift from God or when we get a gift from everybody, we can be quite selfish with the gift. We can take the gift and use it primarily only for the things that will help us. But service is one of those things that God specifically gave you for other people. That's why you own it. That's why you have it. And that's often why we use the term good stewards, because you're simply a manager of a talent or a time or a money that God has given you in order for that thing to bless his people. But service is something we have to pay. Service is something we have to buy into in order to be part of the church. Now, let's go to togetherness. And I promise this is going to spin out really good at the end, okay? Togetherness. Uh, let's go to Ephesians 4. I'm not going to ask you to read the first 16 verses. How about just the first? Let me see here. Let's go to Ephesians 4 and read the, verse, the first seven verses. Would someone read for, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 to 7? Okay, go ahead, Ed. Are you in Ephesians, buddy? Yeah. Ephesians 4? Yeah. Wait, no. Okay. No. Why don't you read the next one? That's okay, buddy. Cynthia, do you still have it? Yes. Oh, you want to wait? Okay. How about you read this one? He'll get the next one. Because it could be a little tricky to find. He, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on 
Thank you. If you could tell, it's, it's very simple there. The Apostle Paul is drawing out this concept of unity, or we're going to call it togetherness because it goes with our acrostic. Okay? Togetherness is this concept of we, we do what we do and we do it together. And, and honestly, I think there's a culture today that's honestly moving away from togetherness to isolation. We've talked about that a little bit. Isolation is becoming big again. People want to be alone. People want to be left alone. People want to avoid people, avoid germs. They want to be safe, so they want to be alone. But honestly, isolating us is one of the devil's greatest tactics because as soon as you isolate us, you weaken us. Our strengths are supposed to be put with other strengths. Our talents are supposed to morph with other talents, and we're supposed to become one very strong unit. Now, that's another thing that we're going to have to pay. Commitment, obedience, service, and togetherness. I just told you, this is going to be hard. I'm, the Lord is requiring a hefty cost for something called the church. These are things that we all have to line up and say yes to. But I want us to notice the reward, and this is how we're going to end tonight. Because there's a massive reward in Scripture that I believe if we understand the reward, we will easily go, yeah, I'm paying that cost. If you can understand this reward, and we have to, we have to sort of fly over it, very quickly, but if you would take the time and dive into this reward, I believe it will tell you, your mind, to absolutely pay the cost, whatever it requires, to receive this reward. Let's look at these two things. Number one is Christ-like character. All right, I'm going to ask for another reader. Does someone have 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16? Okay, Adam, let's try it. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. Good job. Thank you, Had. I appreciate that. As you can tell, God is calling us to the same holiness that Jesus is. I don't know if any of you wanted to, when you were younger, maybe not even younger, maybe now, aspire to be someone that you respect. Maybe a parent, maybe a celebrity, maybe a sports star. I remember in my younger days wanting to be Michael Jordan. You guys remember the term, like Mike? You guys remember that song from, from boy, early 90s? Maybe? They had this song, this Gatorade slogan called, like Mike. And I remember playing basketball, trying to do Michael Jordan's moves in the driveway. That didn't go well. Uh, thank you, Echo. Always edifying. But I wanted to be like Mike because like Mike was like, he was like the coolest guy on the planet, right? If I could be like Mike, it would be such an honor to realize that someone would come up to me and say, hey, man, you looked kind of like Michael Jordan that last time you dribbled the ball. That never happened. But... But honestly, guys, when we think about the reward, can you think of anything greater than for someone to come up to you and tell you, you acted like Jesus? You reminded them of Jesus? I don't know if anyone's ever said, to you, said that to you. I've heard it on a couple occasions. And every time I hear it, I stop in my tracks and I think about what an honor that is when someone would say to me, how you just acted, how you just respond, reminded me of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is remarkable. That is unbelievable to think of. And I believe that if we're willing to do what he's called us to do in the church through these costs that we've talked about, that will be one of the results. We will be holy as he is holy. 
Someone will look at us, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves, and they will be reminded of Jesus. That is unbelievable. If, if someone came up to you and said, hey, listen, I have a system for you to be made like Jesus. The word is called sanctification. It's a big, long term for sanctified. It actually means made into the likeness of Jesus. If someone came up to me and offered me that, I think I would pay almost anything to be like Jesus Christ. Well, that's a great thing to understand because that's exactly what the church is drawing out, that we could be like Christ together. The second one is another really power, powerful one. Build the kingdom of God. Does someone have Matthew 16, verses 18 to 19? Matthew 16, 18 to 19. I'm going to have two readers. We're going to need one for 16, 18 to 19, and we're going to need one for 28, 16 to 20. Both in Matthew. Can I have two readers? Matthew 16, 18 to 19. Does anyone have that one? Okay, go ahead, Heather. Beautiful. Thank you. And who has Matthew 28, 16 to 20? Anyone have that? The Great Commission? Thanks, Josh. Uh, in the 11 disciples, that, yeah. Yep. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Thank you, Josh. As you can tell, there's two amazing promises. Number one, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Nowhere else in scripture is a promise given that the gates of hell cannot prevail against something. Only the church. The church of Jesus Christ. That is something remarkable to consider, that there are many, many, many evil enemy forces in this universe that we cannot see, and they're all hating us and seeking to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. But the promise is given is that if you buy into the church, you will win. And the other promise that we just read from the Great Commission is that we can make disciples. Yes, it doesn't depend upon our strength to make disciples, but God's system is, is that if you listen to Jesus and obey his call, to go out and make disciples, that you will be successful. And guess what you will help doing? Do. Build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will get bigger and stronger because of your efforts to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? I mean, honestly, think about one day being in the kingdom of God and seeing someone there that you witnessed to, a neighbor, a loved one, a co-worker, someone that you shared the light of Jesus Christ, and that person responded to that, and they're there in the kingdom of God simply because you took the time and focus and love to talk to them about the Jesus Christ. Guys, I can't think of a purpose bigger than that one. I can't. Think of every single job on earth that has a great purpose. That one is bigger and better by a lot because we're talking about eternity here. And the greatest thing about the church is that we can help build the kingdom of God. This little pocket of church here in Littleton, New Hampshire, if we all do our job, can get bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger till one day... We're a mighty spiritual wrecking ball against the kingdom of darkness. 
And that's the point. If we buy into this thing, we could be like Christ, we could be holy as he is holy, and number two, we could advance and build the kingdom of God that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. And I can't think of a greater reward for anything that's going to require of everything that is required of me, my commitment, my obedience, my service, and togetherness. I don't know why I would give out those things easily. But if someone said to me, well, if you give out these things, you can be like Christ, and you can advance and build the kingdom of God, that would change my perspective. And I would say, wow. Yes, I will. I would give those things for that. And as we close tonight, I want, I want you to see these bullet points at the end, which I really believe it comes out of the spirit of the scriptures, of the spirit of the Lord. Number one is we cannot truly become like Jesus without the help of the church. He built it that way. So anyone who thinks they can, anyone who thinks they could be an island and serve the Lord and become like Jesus Christ on their own is being lied to because it's impossible. Number two is we cannot truly reach the lost and make disciples of Jesus without doing so together. And if you've ever been gone on one of those missions trips or evangelistic opportunities with other people, it does two amazing things. Number one, it makes your job of evangelizing so much easier. And number two, it builds unity. And hopefully that is something Crossroads Church could get behind someday is doing something like that, reaching the streets of Littleton, going into the neighborhoods, reaching the dark communities with the gospel, and doing so together because... That's how you build the kingdom of God. We can also not live a life that Jesus is worthy of without a steady support from each other. And I want to tell you something and be very transparent tonight. I'm not that strong. I'm not. Okay? I, I'm a pastor. God has given me a great calling, and I love this calling, but on my own, I'm not that strong. If I am required to build this church on my shoulders, it's going to fail. I just need you to know that because I'm not that strong. I'm not that talented. So I need other people to help me do that. I need a steady stream of support in order for me to be the kind of leader that I need to be. We also need to understand the reward, if we understand this, is well worth the cost. Now, I didn't believe that when I was in my younger 20s, teens. I didn't believe it. I thought this cost was too high. And now my perspective has shifted, and I cannot believe that I can receive this reward no matter what I give. And it's all because the Lord changed my perspective one day. So the question that we need to ask ourselves tonight is, are we willing to invest our life into Christ and His church? Thanks for listening to the Devotional Toddcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. Learn more about us at CrossroadsOfLittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.